Ça? It's good to be back here this morning. Uh, bless you all. Uh, I've brought two friends with me. Giles, Elaine, do you just want to stand up? Turn around so everyone can see you. Giles and Elaine are uh, good friends of mine. We were talking in the car on the way here. We've known each other 30 years. I married them 27 years ago, and they still love me. <laughs> uh, they've traveled the world, both of them. Charles has traveled to many countries, uh, but some of them with me. Um, I'm not sure whether that was a good experience or a bad experience for him. Uh, we've had some interesting times. You know, if an evangelist tells you they've been on a mission and it was interesting, you know it was tough. You know? But God is good, isn't he? Well, quarter of you think he is. God is good, isn't he? Amen. Good. I thought I was back in England then for a while. Well, I am back in England. Just a couple of things I want to point out to you. I'm not very good at this, but you can buy my book this morning. I'm not going to do too much of the American thing, but Amazon five-star rating now, so... Uh, you know, I'm not recommending it to you. Other people, Amazon, are saying it's a five-star book. So it's at the back there if you want to buy a copy. Uh, I think it's quite good. But uh, there's also, we're talking about healing over the last few weeks. I've brought some of these little USB sticks, which is our healing school, what we teach people that come and work with us and minister with us in healing. Uh, it's in MP3 on this. They're on the back table there. The prices are on the back, and our magazine's free. If you want to know what we're up to, please take one. There are a few there, there for you to take and find out about us. You know, I really believe that we serve a God that is awesome. Amen? And that he wants us to be his awesome people. Just look around. God wants each and every one of you to be awesome for him. Yeah? Do you believe it? You sure? Good. Because I, I can't get away from the fact that the God we serve loves us and has good things for us. He's, he's got a plan for our lives, a plan to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a future full of hope. You know, I, I want to thank you for your prayers for my wife, Kim. You know, uh, 18 months ago, she was diagnosed with cancer. And, uh, you know, we've just appreciated everyone that's been praying for us. 18 months ago, when they dropped this bombshell into our lives, we said to them, well, what's your prognosis? And they said to us, well, Kim could have months to live if we treat her maybe a year or two years. We just had the most recent scan here at St. Thomas's Hospital in London, went to see the professor at Guy's, and she said, the prognosis has changed. Kim will live into long life. You know, we serve a God who is awesome. He has a plan for us. Kim and I confessed that the very first day they, they uh, diagnosed her with cancer. I said to Kim, we are grateful for everything the medical profession can do, but we are not putting our trust there. Our trust is in our Lord God Almighty. And his abilities are unlimited. 
And, you know, we're believing still that Kim will become a complete cancer-free zone. You know, I'm not accepting that she's going to live with cancer into old age. I'm hoping that when we come here in a year's time, that we will be able to say, cancer-free. Because the doctors can't do that. But we know a God that can, don't we? Amen? Good. You know, we sang this morning, God, you're so good. And you know, if that's not your experience, then I want to tell you this morning, you need to give your life to Jesus. And meet the Jesus that many of us here this morning have met. Because we know a God who is good, who loves us, and has good things planned for us. You know, I came back from the Ukraine recently, and uh, we were in the Ukraine, and there was a young man they brought into the meeting just two days beforehand. He had tried to hang himself. Fortunately, somebody had found him dangling from the rafter and got him down, and he had survived trying to hang himself. But he was incredibly depressed and really suicidal. He told them it was his intention as soon as they let him go that he would do it again. And that evening, he come to know Jesus. And I just got an email from them in, uh, from the Ukraine saying that he has completely changed. He is no longer suicidal. They say he comes to church now, which he never did before. He came to church and they said he's joyful and he knows that he has a future and a hope. You know, we worship a God who's got a future and a hope for every one of us. There was another lady there who walked in, barely walking well with a walking stick. And she walked out carrying the stick over her head, you know, because God healed her. You know, we serve a God who didn't just do miracles, who is still doing miracles. You know, I want to start this morning by laying a little bit of a foundation so that when we pray and minister to people later, you'll understand why we're doing that. I know that Joseph's already taught you some of these things, but it never hurts to hear them again. So I want us to start by looking at Acts chapter 9, and I'm going to read from verse 32 through to 35. And it says, Now, as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydia. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas! Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up. And all who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. You know, I love the Bible. You know, it says all that saw him. They knew this man. He was known in this Lydia and in Sharon. And they knew that he was paralyzed and they knew he'd been there for a long time. And suddenly... He's walking and he's talking and he's doing all those things that as a paralyzed man, he couldn't do. Something wonderful happened that day. You know, I believe that God wants to do something wonderful for many of you today. Something, many wonderful things are going to happen here today. You know, this wasn't one of those questionable miracles. 
You know, some people, when I tell stories, I'm a great storyteller, they say to me, but Tim, how do you know they were really sick? You know, were they really sick? Did they just feel a bit down, you know? It wasn't one of those questionable miracles. It was an outstanding miracle. Eight years this man had been paralyzed, and now he wasn't. You know, uh, I was in Uganda a few years ago, and we were doing meetings, and there was a little girl in, in the suburb of Kampala that we were working in. Her name was Mombasadora, and she had an appendage to her name. She was Mombasa Dora, the cripple girl, because she had been born with one of her knee joints not working. She was about eight or ten years old, and she walked and she dragged her leg like this. Everywhere she went, everybody in that suburb knew Mombasa. And she came to one of our meetings, and uh, we prayed with her, and uh, nothing happened. And my Mombasa came up to my wife and she said, will you get the man of God to pray for me? And my wife looked and said, who do you mean? <laughs> and she said, him, the big blonde one. So we went over and uh, I was just put my hand on Mombasa's head and God said, don't pray for her, just bend her knee. And uh, I looked at Mombasa and I said, just sit down. She sat down, her knee was out straight and I bent it. Well, she screamed and started to cry and everybody in the room looked at me. You evil, what's it? You made the little eight-year-old girl cry. And I can see they are not impressed at all. And then God says to me, she's not healed, you need to do it again. You know, I can already see some of the parents heading towards me because I made the little girl cry. Now, I'm not too uh, happy about being beaten up. You know, Paul might have been okay about that, but I'd prefer to avoid it, wouldn't you? <laughs> so I, I, I sort of quickly said to Mombasa, you need to bend your knee. And she looked at me and said, well, and I just sort of went like this. I said, do this. And she did it. And as she went down the first time, she was still crying. And she was... <laughs> and then she... Big smile. And she's going like this. And she said, we go for a run. And we ran down the street. And we ran back. And then we tripped over a water pipe and both went flat on our faces in the mud. Well, it wasn't quite mud because there was an open sewer either side of the little path. And it had overflowed on the road. So we got up smelling of, well, not the Holy Spirit, put it that way. <laughs> but I was really worried because she'd gone flat down on her face, so had I. And I thought she's going to be bashed up and broken teeth. And she opened her mouth and there's this huge smile. She said, I run, I run. And you know, that evening, we had a crusade meeting in that suburb and everybody from the suburb came to the crusade. Because for eight years, they had known Mombasa as the cripple girl. And now she was no longer cripple. She was Mombasa Dora, the girl that used to be cripple. Yeah? We serve an almighty God. He didn't just do miracles. He is still doing miracles. You know, the Bible tells us, when Jesus was here on earth, that he went around doing good and healing 
all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. You know, a sign of God's presence among his people is that his power is present to heal. You know, it says, Jesus, when he was, went around doing good and healing all who oppressed the devil because God was with him. You know, as a church here, you know, a sign of God's presence with us is that we will see miracles. Now, if you're not part of this church or if you're sick this morning, I want to tell you, God heals. Just let that settle in your spirit this morning. God heals. And he loves us. He has good things planned for us. You know, and I believe that God's going to heal people here this morning. You might think that's a bold statement, but I want to tell you, the bolder I've got, the more I've seen God do. You know, and I, we have seen God heal people miraculously in countries all around the world and in England. You know, I, I stopped for a while, stopped telling stories about things that happened abroad when I was in England because pastors would come up to me and say, oh, Tim, it's great for you, the evangelist. You know, you go to all these countries and God works there, but he doesn't work in England. It's a lie from the pit. You know, God doesn't love foreign people more than he loves English people, British people. He loves us all the same. And if he does it there, he'll do it here. You know, we have seen cancers, cripples, deaf ears open here in England because we worship the same God who's in Uganda, the same God who's in Bulgaria, the same God who's in every nation of this world. We worship the Heavenly Father and He is a God who heals. You know, we... this. Jesus went around doing good. I wonder sometimes, as a church, not maybe you, but as a church nationally, we've become known as do-gooders. You know, and that's not wrong. Because when you see some of the things that the church are involved in and some of the people that they're involved with, the people this world have rejected, that they, the, this world doesn't love, you know, we are reaching out and touching their lives. But the question I have to ask myself is why are we only doing good? Because it says Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, some people will tell you that's because doing good is the easy option. I don't think it is. I've been to some of the places where people are Christians are working. And I want to tell you, it's anything but easy, some of the situations they're in. My son works on an estate in Liverpool. Amongst, it's one of the most deprived estates in Britain. And they're seeking to do good to the people on that estate. A hundred yards from where he lives, two people were shot dead this week. You know, it's not an easy place to be, but they're doing good. So it can't be, it's the easy option. But I don't think we can afford to just be a people that do good. 
Jesus expects more from us. You know, I believe the reason's far more insidious than that. I think it's because the enemy has caused us to settle for something less than God's best. Yes, we believe that God heals. But we more often believe that God heals through the medical profession now. And we will pray for people when they go to the doctor or when they go into the hospital. And we will pray that God will give the doctors wisdom and, and skill. But I want to tell you their understanding and their skills are limited. And often that leads to disappointment. And the trouble is, when we allow our experience to define our doctrine, we fall well short of God's standard. We need to get to a place where our doctrine defines our experiences, where we read this word and we believe every word that is in it and we seek to bring our lives into line with what it says and we see what God says we should see. Amen? You know, it's not enough just to read this. God intended us to live by this. You know, I was talking with an atheist this week and uh, he's taken to having a go at me, thank you, uh, regularly and we were there and I, I, I've got a model aeroplane, big boys toys, you know, it's five foot wingspan, radio controlled and fly it. And every time I go to the flying club, since this man discovered I was a Christian, he has a go at me. But this time I went prepared. You know, it says always be prepared to give an answer to those who ask you for the reason you have hope. Well, he didn't ask me. He tried to destroy my hope. And I went in there and he started asking questions. I answered his questions and then I started asking him some questions. And very quickly he started to back off and everybody else sat down. And I am holding a Bible study in the field with a group of non-Christians and we're talking from Genesis to Revelation. You know, because God wants us to be a people of power. And I had started telling them about healings and they sat down and listened and this atheist walked away because he had nothing to say at that point. You know, we need to be a people who don't just do people good, but who move in power. So there's a key here in this account. When Peter proclaims Aeneas well, he doesn't do it by his own strength. But he says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ makes you well. Jesus Christ heals you, another translation says. You know, many of us feel inadequate. That's not a bad place to be. You know, it's not a bad place to be, to think that of yourself you have nothing to give. Because none of us do. But, but... With God on our side, nothing is impossible for us. You know, it's good to recognize that you have nothing because that leaves you drawing on God. 
Or if you don't do that, it leaves you doing good. Only fulfilling half the scripture. Yeah. Let's be a people that do people good. But let's be a people that move in power and set them free. You know, I was uh, in Kettering. You know, when you're deciding you're going to be someone of power, it takes faith. You know, you have to hear what God says and you have to do what God says. You know, when I became a Christian, I think I might have told you this before, I told my youth leader, I'm going to be the greatest man of God this world has ever seen. And he laughed at me. And he said, why do you think that? I said, I've noticed something about Christians. They all hear God, but they don't all do what God says. And I said, I've determined that I'm going to hear God and I'm going to do what he tells me. And I said, I believe if I do that, I'll be the greatest man of God this world's ever seen. Well, you know I'm not. So you know we've had a few arguments. But I've discovered something else. You know, God said to a friend of mine once, he said, you and I are incompatible, Bob, and I don't change. You know? Arguing with God is a problem because you're never going to win. You do know that, don't you? He's the God of the heavens who created the heavens and the earth. And you know, he just knows one or two things more than you do. So you have to hear him and you have to do what he says, whatever it is. You know, we were doing a mission in Kettering and we're out on the streets and I'm talking to some young boys and I'm telling them that Jesus heals. And one of the lads looked at me and said, wait here. And I waited there and he disappeared off and he'd come back with his friend. They were about 13, 14. He said, my friend's got asthma. I said, really? He said, heal him. I said, really? He said, yeah, you said it, now do it. I put my hand on this boy and I start to pray and God said to me, don't pray. I didn't tell you to pray for the sick. I told you to heal the sick. So I said, what do I do, God? He said, tell him to run to the end of the street and back and he will be healed. The street's about 200 yards long. And I said to this boy, God's told me if you run to the end of the street and back, you'll be healed. His mates all looked at me and they said, you better not get him doing that. I said, why? They said, well, if he just runs a little bit in the playground at school, he falls over and we have to call the ambulance. Because he is so, his asthma is so bad, he cannot do that. So I'm going, oh my goodness. I said, but God said, he needs to run and he'll be healed. So I said to the little boy, well, it's up to you, but I believe if you run to the end of the street and back, you will be healed. So he starts trotting. And this voice in my head said, he's not running, he's trotting. He said, he needs to run. So I shouted, I told you to run! I tell you, he belted off down the road like the devil himself was after him. He ran all the way down to the end of the road. He ran all the way back. His mates are standing there. He comes back to us and he's a little bit out of breath. I think I would have been almost dead if I'd run the speed he'd done backwards. But no asthma attack. There on the streets in Kettering, he was healed. Because when we are bold for God, God will be bold for us. 
when we hear God's word, he will do what he says. When we speak it out, we need to hear God and do what he says. You know, there isn't a man, woman or child in this room today that can heal anyone. But there isn't a man, woman or child in this room with God on their side that can't heal anyone. You might know, wonder how I can confidently say that. Well, I've experienced it, but the Word of God tells us it. Matthew 10. How are we doing? Matthew 10, verse 1. We're told Jesus summoned the 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Then in verse 5, it says, Jesus sent these 12 out instructing them. What did he instruct them? Matthew 10, 7. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Why did Jesus tell them to say the kingdom of heaven was at hand? Because in his kingdom there is no sickness. There is no pain. There is no suffering. In his kingdom people are whole. And he said his kingdom is so close you can reach out and grasp it and bring it from the unseen realm into the seen realm. You know, uh, we were having a healing meeting not unlike this and I'd been preaching on the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this lady came forward, she had lung cancer. And she wanted prayer and as we started to pray, God said to me, I want to give her a new pair of lungs. And I said, really? He said, yes, in my kingdom, there's a new pair of lungs for this lady. I said, yes, Lord, I understand that. He said, well, I want you to reach out and take them from my kingdom and give them to this lady. I said, how do I do that? He said, close your eyes. And I closed my eyes and immediately in my head, I saw a video of a pair of lungs hanging in space, inflating, deflating, inflating, deflating. And God said, there they are, give them to her. I said, well, how do I do that? They're in my head. He said, no, they're in my kingdom. And you preach the kingdom is so close you can reach out and grasp it. So reach out and grasp it and give it to them. Well, this lady wasn't a believer and I just sort of put my hand out like this. I said, God's told me to give you a new pair of lungs. Well, she looked at me as if I was completely crazy. And as soon as the meeting finished, she was out the door. Two weeks later, she phones me up. She said, Tim, I don't know whether you realize, but I thought you were a lunatic. I said, yeah, I sort of got that impression. She said, I have just been for a scan to see how they're going to treat the cancer in my lungs. She said, the consultant looked at the scan and said, we have a problem. She was terrified at that point at what the problem might be. And he said, no, it's not something to be worried about. He said but I can't find the cancer in your lungs. He said, I'm looking at the previous scan we had and I'm looking at this scan and there is no cancer. He, and then he said something that made her phone me. He said, it doesn't even look like you have the same lungs. God had given her a new pair of lungs.
So when Jesus sent out the 12, he gave them authority to heal the sick and to cast out demons. He said, tell them his kingdom's at hand. The place where he, his power is, where health and wholeness is. You know, as believers, he's given us authority to reach into his kingdom and to bring it here on earth. What did he tell us to pray? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no sickness, no pain, no suffering. He wants us to bring his rule and his reign here on earth so there will be no sickness, no pain, and no suffering wherever we go. So the 12 were sent out. Luke 10 Jesus has a plan that's developing. Luke 10, verses 8 and 9. He sends out the 70. He says, Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those who are sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. I heard Joseph speaking on this the other day and he told you how he was eating lamb's brains. Don't ever take me to that country. You know, I've eaten snake and scorpions and I don't know what, but lamb's brains, you're a greater man of God than me. But these 70, he, he told them to heal the sick and to tell them it was because God's kingdom had come. And if we look at verse 17, we see that the 70 returned with great joy. And they said, even the demons are subject to us. You know, you imagine this. They weren't the 12. You know, we can think it's special people. You know, special people at special times. You know. But they weren't. You know, they'd seen the 12 go out and do the marvelous things that they'd done. But suddenly Jesus is expanding that. And now it's 70. And they go out and they come back rejoicing. And they say, even the demons were subject to us. You know, they weren't the special ones. They were in a bigger group than the special ones. You know, I love it when we take people on missions because they hear the stories and then they come on a mission. And then they discover that the God that works in me can work in them. And they see him healing and setting people free. And to be back in the hotel at night and hear the rejoicing. You know, two 18-year-old boys came with me on a mission. And they prayed for a little boy that was deaf and dumb. And he heard and spoke. And you could not shut them up. They were so excited that what God had done. You know, I understand why the 70 came back rejoicing. Because it wasn't just for special people. It was for them as well. But God's got a bigger plan. He's planning to expand this even more. John 14 verses 12 to 13, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than he, these will he do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified. So first we have the 12, then we have the 70, and now Jesus tells us his ultimate plan. He says, He who believes in me shall do the things that I do and even greater things 
You know, there is no time limit on this scripture. It doesn't say, he who believes in me for the time that you're living here on earth now. It just says, he who believes in me. How many of you this morning are believers? Put your hands up. Guess what? That includes every one of you that put your hand up. If you're a believer, signs should follow you. And can I go a little bit further? I think this scripture says you will know the believers because this is what's going to be happening around them. So if it's not happening around you, we have to ask ourselves, are we unbelieving believers? That's a real odd one, isn't it? An unbelieving believer. I have met a few of them. You know, the conversation normally starts, but Tim, you don't know. I said, I don't need to know. I know the one that does know. We don't want to be unbelieving believers. He says, and he says, he says, he who believes in me will do the things that I've done and even greater things. You know, I would be happy if the church was doing the things Jesus did. But Jesus, that wasn't his goal. He said, these and greater things will you do. You know, he made his statement. He told us where we're heading. You know, we are called to be doers of greater things. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're meant to do great things. Turn to the person on the other side of you and say, I'm going to do great things for God. You know, Jesus tells us how these greater things are going to happen. He says, when I leave, I'm going to go to the Father and ask him to send another who will be with you always. He calls him the helper. You know, we can't do these things on our own, but with the helper in us and working through us, nothing is impossible. I will ask the Father, John 14, verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. That means one like me. And he will be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you ever. You know, it's really important for us to get hold of that. It's not by our might or by power, but by the Holy Spirit that we can do these things. You know, Jesus thought this was so important. You know, at the end of Mark's gospel, he's just about to go to be with his father in glory. And he commissions those disciples. You know, last words are often important. You know that when people know they're dying, the things they say are often very important. You know, I heard about a guy who was a general in the American Civil War and he said, they couldn't hit. And he was going to say the side of a barn when a bullet hit him in the head and killed him. But what Jesus said is important. What's the last thing Jesus said? He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. He who has believed in me and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. 
In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus' last words was to remind his disciples not just to do good, but to move in power. And you know, they went out and did what he said. On the day of Pentecost, we hear they were filled with the Holy Spirit and started to speak in tongues. We hear about Philip in Acts who's walking down the street and the demons are crying out and coming out of people. And Peter and John are on the way to the temple and they meet a lame man and they say, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, we're going to give to you. And they don't give him chance to question. They say, grab him by his arm and pull him to his feet. And they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And he walks. You know, they were bold. You know, often Christians tell me what they haven't got. You know, I want to tell you, forget about what you haven't got. God will give you everything you need at the moment you need it. They knew they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and they knew that was enough. We haven't got silver and gold, but they weren't focusing on that. They said, but we've got something better. And they grabbed that boy and pulled him out of the wheelchair and, you know, God healed him. I was in Bulgaria and we had taught some young gypsy boys, 12, 14-year-olds, and I told them about Smith Wigglesworth. He's my patron saint if you're allowed them in our style of churches. He was a plumber. I used to be a plumber. And, you know, he did some outrageous things. But one day he stood before a woman in a wheelchair and God says to him, grab her and drag her from the wheelchair and tell her to walk. And he said, immediately I heard another voice. And this voice said to me, what happens when she falls on her face? And Wigglesworth walked forward to the woman, grabbed her by her shoulder, dragged her out of the chair and commanded her to walk. And she walked off and he said, devil, what happens to you now? She's walking. And I told this story to these gypsy lads. And that night I released them to go and pray. And they didn't pray with anyone I expected them to pray for. They ran straight for their friend who was in the wheelchair. And they dragged him from his wheelchair and they commanded him to walk. And he started walking around the tent. And I said to them, how did you do that? They said, we only did what you taught us. I said, I did not teach you to do that. I have not done that. They said, yes, you did. You told us about that other Englishman who's a plumber like you. They believed it and did it and God worked a miracle. You know, these signs will accompany those who believe. Are you a believing believer this morning? Are you sick this morning? Well, I want to tell you, we can confidently say God heals because the Bible commands us as his believing people to lay our hands on the sick and to heal them. And I know that if we do what he says, he will follow it with signs following. He will do what he says he will do. So, if you want to be healed this morning, God can heal you. you know, I asked if you want to because I've met people that their identity has become their sickness. You know, and something in them has accepted being sick, you know. You have to want to be free. Charles, have you got some words here? 
my friends, you know, God's been speaking to them. And it just about some of you. And we want to pray with those that God's been speaking to them about. Uh, Charles, come and share what you've got. Um, just, um, just continuing something that uh, Tim said. It's, it's very easy sometimes to think, well, I've been prayed before and nothing's happened or I've been prayed many, many times before. That doesn't actually matter today because God actually doesn't let you down. And you need to know that. Sometimes us as men, we let each other down. But God doesn't let you down. And I think some of you need to hear something that about God. God is a God of love. And he doesn't push you. He doesn't push you kicking and screaming to a place to receive. We, we sometimes say, in fact, we sung a song earlier about uh, the wind of God filling a sail. And a sail works by the wind not blowing the ship, but the wind sucks, sucks. The wind sucks the sail and draws the sail to it. And that is the way I want you to think about God. God is a gentle God. He's a loving God, a father. It says uh, that God knew you before the foundation of the world because he's a loving father. And he chose you. And he's drawing you to him. Um, sometimes I get words of knowledge for specific people. But actually today, I've just got two groups. This morning, I've sensed there are a couple of people here this morning who when they got up this morning, they said, do you know, I'm fed up with doing the same old thing. Nothing seems to happen. God doesn't use me. I, I'm almost ready to give up. And then you pick yourself up, you slap yourself around the face and you look yourself in the mirror, mirror possibly, and you said, no, come on, give it one more go. God says, you need equipping. You need more of his Holy Spirit to fill you. So if that's you, I'd like you to come and find me. Because God wants to give you a kickstart. Right, imagine you're a battery. You've got all the power all built up there, but you just need a bit of a kickstart. And then I got another group, and I... You're so weary. You're so tired. Again, you're fed up. But this time you think, what's the point going on? What's the point in going on? And God says, I love you. You're a child. So if you're really, really weary, and you, you know that's you, God wants to touch you. God wants to touch you. Um, got a different group of people. Tim's talked and Charles has talked and said, God loves you. Um, I don't know if it's a person or persons here. They know that in their head, but they don't know that in their heart. 
And it says in the word that I've been sent to heal the brokenhearted. There are people here who don't know that God loves them. And I would like to pray with you. Amen. God spoke to me about somebody who's got a problem with their knee as well. Uh, I don't know what, you, what you've done to it, but it causes you a lot of problems. There's someone else and you've got problems with your heart. Uh, someone else, you've got breathing problems. I don't know whether it's asthma or you just, you're finding it difficult to breathe. You can't breathe properly, you know, deep breath. Someone else, you've got some form of cancer. Uh, this might be the same thing, but this, you've got a problem swallowing someone. It might be different, but uh, if that's you, just come forward in a minute. There's another person, you're deaf, clearly deaf in one ear. You really struggle to hear from one ear. And there's somebody else. I really got a sense that even this morning, you were struggling to get out and walk. You know, you're really struggling walking any distance. It causes you difficulty and pain. Now, if that's any of those things, what Charles and Elaine have said or what I've said, are you? Just put your hand up where you are, if you would please. Okay, can you stand up and come forward now? We'd like to pray with you. We'll pray with these people specifically now, Joseph, and then we'll open it up later for anyone else who's sick. We'd like to pray with you as well. You know, when you see something like this, Charles and Elaine have never been here before, so they don't know any of you. They only know what God said to them. I think it's... uh, December since I was here last, so I don't really know you either. This is a sign. You know, the Bible talks about signs and wonders. You know, I believe that all these people that have come forward here this morning are a sign that God cares about every one of us who are sick here this morning because he's told us about them and it's to stir your faith that he cares. If you're here at the front now, God wants to set you free. And as the team come and pray with you, it's not about special people at special times. You know, if you don't get one of my team pray with you, don't worry. It's about believers laying their hands on the sick. You know, many years ago, I'd fallen off a roof and damaged my back. And I was in a healing meeting like this, and the man who was speaking gave a word of knowledge which was clearly for me. And another man came up and laid his hands on me. And I did not respect this man at all. I knew things about him that I didn't think were very godly. And I thought, how can God use him to heal me? And I desperately wanted the man who preached to pray for me. But he didn't come anywhere near me. And God said to me, I'm the same God, whoever it is. And I said, I'm sorry, Lord, that I was putting my trust in a man, not in you. And the man prayed for me, and I've never had another day's trouble with my back from that day to this. So I want to encourage you, it doesn't matter who lays their hands on you this morning. Let's pray for these people. You congregation, reach out your hands towards these. It's not a spectator sport. If your team, you've got a team, Joseph, you yeah, can come out and start laying your hands on these members people. Members of the prophetic team, if you can come. Come and pray. pray. God might speak to you about these people. Just, you know... Be sensitive to what God says to you. If you don't get anything, put your hands on them and say, in Jesus' name, be healed. Because we're commanded not to ask God to do it. We're commanded to heal them ourselves. So it's just simple. You know, one prayer, one touch from Jesus can change their life. Amen.
Awesome Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Mighty God. If the ministers come and join us, you are awesome in this. As we are worshiping, I want I want to pray for somebody specific. Um, you have a problem in your left shoulder that's causing you extreme pain. Can you just come right now so that I can see who you are? Is that you? You are awesome in this place. Mighty God, you are awesome in this place, mighty God, you are awesome in this place, our Father, you are worthy of all praise. To you our lives we raise You are awesome in this place Mighty God You are awesome You are awesome in this place Mighty God You are awesome in this place Abba Father, you are worthy of all praise, to you our lives we raise, you are awesome in this place, mighty God. Sing it again, you are awesome, you are awesome in this place, mighty Awesome in this place, Father. You are worthy of our praise. To you, our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Let's raise it up and sing. You are awesome in this place. Mighty God, you are worthy of all praise. To us, we sing, You are awesome, You are awesome in this place, mighty God.